We live inside a dream. May the road rise up to meet your wheels. Hello, and welcome to uh, <laughs> the Michael Sarah podcast. My name is Michael Sarah Fan One, joined by Michael uh, Sarah Fan Two. Yeah, I'm Michael Sarah Fan Two. Hello, uh, thank you for having me. You might remember me on my on my uh, sister podcast to this one, talking super bad. <laughs> yeah, um, my. Uh, my other podcast is called uh, The Magical Cactus Movie um, Podcast. <laughs> what is you know, that movie well, called? It's uh, Crystal Fairy and the Magical Cactus. Gotcha. It's not bad, actually. I, I remember watching it. I, you know, I'm a Michael Sarah fan. I, I guess we'll get into it. I do like I'm Michael Sarah. Yeah, I love that we're starting our episode off this way. <laughs> I love... Yeah. I also like Michael A low Michael energy Sarah. bit. Uh, now, Eric... This is going to be a vulnerable question I'm going to ask you. Okay. But do you feel like part of why we like Michael Sarah is that in real in real life we're we're kind of two Michael Sarahs. <laughs> like, you know, I hope that I'm kind of a Michael Sarah, I guess. We're both like kind of like skinny white dudes of a certain age, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I feel That is true. I feel like we do we kind of but like we're also soft and nerdy, you know, we're not big into sports really <laughs> i feel yeah. like we're, we're probably the same age as michael Sarah. probably let's figure that out right now yeah let's on figure this that podcast. out yeah let's let's go do a little googling michael Sarah. you know he's 32 years old so. wow that's my age exactly are you five nine no i'm six I'm, I'm a little nine. taller than michael Sarah. you're not six feet tall i am that, i'm actually probably six feet one but my license says six feet. But everyone who says that they're six feet, I, they're a little shorter than me. But Eric, I don't blame huh. you for thinking I'm shorter because I present much shorter than I look, than I am. Like, I, yeah, I come I got to be honest. <laughs> if someone, like, before you told me that, if someone came up to me and said, how tall is Jeremy Schmidt? I could have said, he's either four, six, or <laughs> seven feet tall. I can't, I can't tell you. I don't yeah. remember. I'm much smaller inside. In like in like and in, in, in the way I act than I yeah, yeah. but Michael Sarah yeah. is a treat and you know he's not like his career is interesting to me because he he was like in a lot of stuff and then he he kind of really picks and chooses his projects now um, yeah and I feel like God damn we could just make this all about Michael Sarah I realized just now could. I could talk about Michael Sarah for hours. <laughs> yeah but let's not do that though because <laughs> we have a lot of other stuff to talk about right um you know we have uh 
We, we're talking Twin Peaks The Return. This is uh, Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates. We're Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch podcast. Soon to be, who knows, possibly a podcast about the Anderson <laughs> directors. I know. Um, We've got a lot of great suggestions, though. Uh, somebody on Twitter recommended that we do the Wachowskis and the Coens, which is a, yes, that's a great mashup. That, <laughs> that was Drew. That was Drew. You know, Drew, if you can think of a, of a, of a, of a clever name, Please do all. We want our listeners to do all the work for us. For sure. Um, <laughs> and I feel like also like while like all these um, suggestions are valid, if the, if it doesn't get picked, it, we could easily just do it in the next cycle. Yeah, that's the thing is we probably will just end up doing all of these. It yeah. just is a matter of like yeah. all, the order, I guess. Right. Uh, the weird thing is, is that these fly by like. Do you, you wouldn't think it, but doing all of Twin Peaks and all of Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch's movies takes like six months right? or something. And that's coming uh, on the I heels of Final like Destination, all the Chucky movies, all the Ari Aster <laughs> yeah. films. And we've done a slew <laughs> yeah. of uh, you know themed episodes in between. So, yeah, we're cruising yeah, we through. kind of lost our way for a while there and <laughs> didn't really know what we were. I, I wonder <laughs> if one day we're just going to have finished all the movies. That's the goal, you know, (laughs) and uh, the only way to find out if we do is to smash that subscribe button Mm -hmm. and, you know, give us a five-star review on iTunes or... uh, It's the only way to be sure. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, my name is Eric Keppel. I I guess we should introduce ourselves properly. My name is Jeremy Schmidt. I am am the co-host of this podcast, What Up, What Up? Um, yeah, we have a Patreon as well before let's, let's, let's do this before I forget. Uh, it's patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. We're talking, uh, tales from the crypt over there. We just got, you know, we do movie requests, uh, for people who sign up for a specific tier. Uh, and our buddy Brian just recommended, um, let me find the name of it, but it is the, he wants us to do the, uh, um, the tales from the crypt movie. Oh, great. Bordello uh, of 19- blood. 72 oh no yeah the 1972 tales from the crypt film it's free on tubi we'll we'll get to that for you uh in a in within the next couple of weeks brian we'll get you uh brian brian's always got the great recommendations so i'm very excited about this yeah We've i don't even know what he's talking about too. i've never even okay, heard of this movie 72 tales for is this part this has to be part of the uh Okay, well, when I Google it, it's it's the link is in purple, so I've, I've apparently looked this up before, but uh, you know, it, it, I've seen the Crypt Keeper in there. It's I guess it has to do with Tales from the Crypt, the series. I mean, but it's it before ha- it has the TV to. series. It, yeah, it's also like the Crypt Keeper is played by Sir like Sir Ralph Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> not the same guy yeah, this, this is like a pre great. the show this is great I, I didn't even know about this it's got an 89 on Rotten Tomatoes this is gonna be great it's gonna, it's be, gonna great, be great folks but well we should know, also, also cover uh, we should also cover Bordello of Blood there was two films that came out after the uh, show like that were part of the okay. show yeah like Bordello of Blood's one of them and I think De- uh, Demon Knight might be the other one <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So we'll we'll cover um, those two at some point. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, like we said, we'll cover everything at, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Or another. <laughs> uh, you know, we also talk Hollywood conspiracy theories. We do episodes on uh, all sorts of shit. We did a whole series on uh, 90s uh, comedy uh, movies. I have an idea, Jeremy, where I think it would be fun if we, we do our own little sort of like Mount Rushmore's of uh, SNL cast members. Oh, I think it'd great. be fun if we did an episode just talking about the best uh, SNL cast members. Maybe we can find one of those like terrible lists that we did for the uh, I love 90s that. comedy films. I love but, that. Uh, that's, yeah. You can listen to all that stuff and the back catalog of uh, all of our weekly episodes, which at this point we have like 40 of them up there uh, at <laughs> patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy for five bucks. It's a great time over there. Uh, Jeremy... What the hell? Uh, so I want to know. I kind of just want to like start because this is what I really want to know when we when we record these episodes. Is I kind of want to start with like, what are your overall thoughts on these two episodes? Now, first, actually, I should say if you're just tuning into this one, uh, listen to our episode on parts one and two. Yeah. But also, uh, Jeremy has not seen the return before. So, right. uh, Jeremy, I would love to know how you feel after watching three and four. Uh, I'm, I'm riding a high for, for sure. I'm really into it. I, I'm shocked at how much I'm into the show. I thought I, I expected it to be good because everyone told me it was going to be good and I wanted it to be perfect. And what I'm getting is something I like, couldn't even explain to you how satisfying it is. Like it, it's, the show is really good. It's, it's also taking some big swings. I also think it's like, weirdly ahead of its time it's not too much ahead of its time because i think like hbo shows start doing stuff like this but just like just a little after like i'm thinking about the Watchmen as a show on hbo that i you know i have my feeling complicated feelings about but it, it's very experimental in certain ways not unlike this show and i just think that i whatever david lynch is doing like he somehow hit the perfect nexus or apex of like of the per- perfect storm of like uh great choices uh the technology is where it needs to be to get his vision across and uh the right people working on it the right amount of s- excitement for the show like one thing that's so cool about watching this show and I'll, and I'll kind of finish with i'll leave you with this is that the show like, you get the sense that everybody working on the show wants to be there so fucking bad like they're all yeah. so psyched yeah. to be there and that's what makes like the show so exciting to watch is because every performer like unlike season 2 of Twin Peaks where you felt like certain actors just did not want to be there anymore <laughs> at all yeah. Uh, yeah in this case everybody <clears throat> wants to be there so bad that like you the performers are clawing to get into the Twin Peaks reboot like Brett Gelman and John Ennis and and Michael Sarah uh Naomi Watts um, they're all like, they're, I, you know, they don't have to do that show at all, you know, but they, they like want to be there. They want to be doing that show and it, sh- and it totally comes across. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. I couldn't be more excited about it. Basically. What, what about you as far as like, uh, rewatching these episodes? I'm having a great time. Like I said, in the last episode, I, you know, I, I've learned about a new theory about the show that has made me view it in sort of a new, uh, through a new lens, which has been interesting. Um, and yeah, I love it. You know, it's like, it's been long enough to where I kind of have forgotten some things. 
and I'm actually like when I sit down and put on an episode, I like don't really know. Like I I know everything that happens, but I don't know when everything happens. So I'm I'm it's exciting. It's it's kind of like I'm watching. It's sort of like how I felt when we watched the original run. Like it had mm-hmm. been two years or so. So uh, and it's a great time. It's it's cool that we. Even though we kind of took a little bit of a break between Fire Walk With Me and uh, The Return, it still all feels fresh, you know? Yeah, so, that's good. Uh, yeah. But uh, let's dive into part three here. Uh, so Agent Cooper descends through a void and drops into a nondescript area with a purple hue. <laughs> How do you like that <laughs> for a description? <laughs> yeah, uh, that sounds about right. It is kind of funny how he just like plops down in there. Yeah, this, um, by the way, is so psycho. <laughs> like, yeah, this sequence yeah. is so psycho. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I guess you can read on, but there, there's more to it than just it being purple. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so he looks upon a body of water, then goes through a set of windows to a room where an eyeless woman sits in front of a fireplace. Um, so... The the like body of water and there's some shit there's some shit in the show like some shots like uh, the the shot of the red in the red room where we see like the curtains open and we like zoom in on like the white horse do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about yeah like I don't understand how this is some of this stuff is made you know what right. I mean like I don't understand I guess a lot of it's like digital effects but it doesn't like Normally, I can look at like uh, something that David Lynch does, and I can like sort of figure out how he's doing the trick. Sure, but with a lot of the stuff in the return, I'm like the the technology is like over my head. It's pretty, it's impressive. But uh, yeah. he asks her uh, where they are, but she does not speak. Instead, making breathy noise. Uh, if I remember correctly, they're also like moving very choppily. Right. Yeah, and that that kind of just adds to how completely scary this sequence is. Is like it's very choppy. Also, on my TV, like sometimes my internet has been weird during COVID, so I like wasn't sure <laughs> if like it was my TV or not. But uh, it was like, yeah, it, it it's very it's like surrealist. Kind of reminds me of like there's like a filter going on the, the, the lens to where it, it kind of makes it look like it is a, um, it's like an old timey. It's like shot with like an old timey camera or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's my take. It looks old. (laughs) Yeah. He, he spots a mechanism in the wall and examines it, but the woman keeps him, uh, away from it and, and instead leads him up a ladder Oh, there's also a loud pounding noise happening, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they reach the roof that floats in a void. The woman pulls the lever on a mechanism on the roof and receives an electric shock, causing her to fall into the void. Cooper looks down and sees Major Garland Briggs' head floating and says, and he says, Blue Rose. Uh, Cooper climbs back down the ladder and sees another woman sitting in front of the fireplace. So this other woman, Jeremy, do you know uh do you know who this is? No. Credited as American Girl? No. So this is the woman. Uh I don't know if this is supposed to be her 
uh, like an older version of her, but this actress played um, Ronette Pulaski, who is the oh. girl uh, the night that Laura got murdered, the girl that got away, that was like yeah. ended up in the hospital. Yeah, and um, she's still alive, right? Or did I think she, she is. Did she die uh, in the show? I can't remember. I think she's no, still alive. I, yeah. I, uh, the last I can remember, she was in the hospital getting yeah. interrogated. But uh, right. anyway, uh, he climbs back down, sees the woman. Cooper approaches her and asks her, uh, and as her watch struck 2.53, the mechanism on the wall begins humming. Um, one second here. Also, okay, so there, when you look at the little, like, outlet thing on the wall, did you notice there's, like, a number three and then a number 15 at a later point? Uh, no. I don't blame you. It's easy to miss. But there's I, I know a, there's a 15 on the, on the device that he, like, Yes, on the goes, device, goes on the through. device. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a, at another point, there's a, instead of a 15, there's a three. And uh, the number is 315, Jeremy. We all know as uh, Dale Cooper's room at the Great Northern. That was the room. Oh, love that. Yeah. That's Uh, great. (laughs) That is is great. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Cooper's, uh, okay, so Cooper's doppelganger drives and begins to experience discomfort. The cigarette lighter in his car begins to eventually exert electrical force. Agent Cooper approaches the mechanism in the wall, and the woman tells him, when you get there, you will already be there. Uh, Bad Coop continues to be uncomfortable as Agent Cooper is taken inside the mechanism, uh, which leaves his shoes behind. Uh, The doppelganger loses control of the car, wrecks it on the side of the road. He begins gagging, uh, but holds his hands tightly over his mouth as he watches the cigarette lighter and red drapes faintly appear in front of his car. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. So, uh, what do you, do you have like a theory of what's going on? Here, okay, point. so I at at I'm, I'll I'll take take taking us back to the point when I'm watching this for the first time. I have no theory, uh, which, but the next scene that we're about to talk about leads me to Google what the fuck is going on because something happens <laughs> right after this, and I did end up kind of doing some googling. Uh, okay, good. Not too much, but I was like, I was like, wait a minute. I, I thought I had missed something, you know, and uh, and then I googled and can and then and then once I was kind of told by the internet, oh no, this is what's happening. I was like, oh shit! It it made a lot of sense and it was really cool and rewarding. But I didn't I didn't know. But the the way the show was edited, I guess I I, I thought I had missed something. But it's re- in reference to Dougie Jones. So like, let's. Guess we could probably just yeah. <laughs> so so inside of a house for sale, Dougie Jones sits with Jade, who uh, says that something is wrong with his arm, uh, on which he wears the ring on one of his fingers. Uh, Jade goes to shower, and Dougie gets out of bed before falling. Uh, as the doppelganger continues to hold his mouth, Dougie crawls to the house's living room, where an electrical socket exerts electrical force. <laughs> he vomits and is transported to the red room. The doppelganger then vomits up Garmin Bosia and passes out. What's Garmin uh, Bosia? <laughs> pain and sorrow. Oh, uh, it's shit. the cream corn. Cream corn is uh, Garmin Bosia. Oh, really? 
pain and yeah. sorrow it's like what the show is calling is it a made-up thing for the show yeah yeah nice okay it's like the physical representation of pain and sorrow basically gotcha um so inside the red room mike tells dougie that he was manufactured by someone for a purpose that has now been fulfilled uh dougie's hand begins to shrink uh, the ring falls off his finger and his head pops into the form of a black cloud. Uh, I believe he also says that's weird. Yeah. Which is funny. Yeah. Well, he actually responds how I would respond in that situation. <laughs> yeah. Like everything yeah, he says is too. like, he's just like, oh, okay. But why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, a clean gold orb floats out of his shirt and then uh, and the black cloud forms into a head shaped object that Mike shields his eyes from. Uh, the object appears to start to produce an orb of its own as ele- as electrical sounds are uh, heard. Suddenly, the clean gold orb appears, then seems to attack the head-shaped object. The clean gold orb is left <laughs> on the chair, which Mike picks up along with the ring, which he places back on its pedal. Yeah, normal stuff. Yeah, uh, a lot of sim- a lot of like symbols, like image, like yeah. symbolism and in, 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 in imagery and stuff, like. You know, I don't know if I'm yet decided if it's going too far into its own symbols and 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 images, but I'm also like along for the ride. But I think at the point when we have both a uh, a golden orb and a ring, I'm kind of like, okay, <laughs> yeah. wait, can't they can they just please mean the same thing? Can't they just be the same? <laughs> See, this is why people watch the show over and over again. Right, but. Uh, yeah, you know, I really want to... I, I know it's out there. I think it's out... Uh, I guess I'll just Google it after this. But I want to read the script for Ronnie Rocket because apparently uh, I was reading that the the gold orb idea was actually from Ronnie Rocket, which is like an old movie that David Lynch wanted to make, I believe, after uh, fucking Eraserhead. That's right, yeah. Or possibly Blue Velvet, but... Yeah, so uh, Agent Cooper uh, is transferred through the electrical socket where Dougie vomited and materializes. Jade believes he is Dougie, but Cooper is not responsive, appearing to be in a sort of trance with no memory. Uh, He leaves the house with Jade as a group of men wait to ambush him, believing he is still inside. Cooper unintentionally escapes death after dropping his Great Northern Hotel key on the floor of the car and bending over to pick it up. That's really now, this that's is, a cool th- I, I, that's a cool detail. It is, yeah, I yeah. love it. This also scenario is like something that could happen in like an action comedy movie. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> It's also like um, it has like weird like we see the like the weird woman like with her kid taking a bunch of drugs. Yes, and she's screaming one one nine. Yeah, and I we don't at least in these two episodes we don't actually get like that, that we never circle back around to that. So I don't know if that's gonna be right big in the story. But I I I remember thinking like this is very like Breaking Bad. <laughs> Like there's yeah, like drugs yeah, in is, a neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I, that's, that's when I, my whole uh, perception of Breaking Bad is just like when you're doing drugs in a suburban neighborhood, <laughs> that's Breaking yeah. Bad. Yeah, it's also very realistic when the, there's a, there's a behind the scenes where he's like telling uh, the makeup artist, David Lynch is telling the makeup artist um, that that actress, he's like telling her how to, the makeup artist, how to make her look more 
like a drug addict basically mm-hmm. and it's very interesting to, <laughs> Ooh, to watch him like describe it because yeah she looks uh like a classic fucking junkie classic um, one of the men gene places a tracker on dougie's car as a boy watches through his home's uh window across the street while his drug ad- addicted mother repeatedly yells one 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 nine and takes a pill with whiskey uh, highway patrolmen uh, approach the doppelganger's crashed car, and one of them, Billy, uh, becomes seriously sick after sticking his head in the car. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and Back at the I, uh, something I was confused about is it because it they, I don't think that we see inside the car, do we? We don't. So is is no. um is bad coop in the car at that point? Like is that when they about, arrest him? I was trying to remember because uh, I don't think he. Well, yeah, actually, yeah, because they you remember uh, in the next episode we see him. Yeah, no, he's fully arrested, but I th- I had missed when he actually got taken into jail. Uh, I think it might have been in this moment. I maybe maybe I'm wrong, but uh, it must have been because I feel like if cops would have come for Bad Coop, Bad Coop is so good at fighting and stuff, he would have like gotten out of it. But it, but in yeah. this moment he's like incapacitated because of the he was supposed to go into the Yeah. So a little bit of I don't I don't think this is a spoiler, right? Like we can can we say what Dougie is? Yeah. Yeah, so what I looked up was that Dougie is... So, Bad Cooper is existing in place of regular Cooper, and they're supposed to switch back. Well, what Bad Cooper does is he, like, he projects another version of Cooper somewhere else and that tricks the Red Room into, like, bringing that guy back and Dale Cooper, regular Dale Cooper, out. So, now both can actually exist at the same time. Because essentially, he just tricked the process. Yeah, and the thing is, is like with the, you know, like the sniper and stuff, like that was all like timed out. Like, Dougie Jones was supposed to be like assassinated basically right after mm-hmm. uh, Good Cooper, uh, you know, took him over or whatever, however you want to want to say it. But yeah, but yeah. So now, so now, Bad Cooper is basically in this, or Good Cooper is basically in this weird like limbo state inside of this strange man who is married to Naomi Watts. Right. But he's, but <laughs> well, I, cause I actually, I actually, um, interpreted it as that's regular. That's real Dale Cooper. Cause he's like, he's like not, he's not in Dougie's body. Cause Dougie's yeah, body is gone. Is, yeah. But like, yeah. because he's not been out in the regular world for like 25 years, he's like, got to relearn how to <laughs> drink coffee and stuff. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do think I, I agree with that. I do. I do believe that is also, uh, Cooper and just, you know, now he's, uh, living as this person who everyone knew as Dougie Jones. Um, so back at the Twin Peaks Sheriff Department, Hawk, Andy and Lucy sort through the files to find what is missing that relates to Hawk's heritage. Uh, a guilty Lucy points out that she had eaten a chocolate bunny from the evidence years before in order to relieve gas. <laughs> did not know that chocolate did that, but that's a good callback to, uh, uh, fucking, I guess I, maybe the pilot even when he says, Diane, I'm holding in my hand a small box of chocolate bunnies. Oh, 
Interesting. Yeah. I, of course, did not remember that. Uh, Andy asks if chocolate bunnies have anything to do with Hawk's heritage, and it is eventually settled that the missing bunny is now is not what they were looking for. Uh, Lawrence Jacoby spray paints his shovels gold. <laughs> it's a pretty accurate description of what goes on there. He also has like a really like bizarre uh, machine that he built to do to do this. Yeah, this the Jacoby <laughs> stuff. I, there's so many characters in Twin Peaks. Like the 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 show, the regular show, Twin Peaks, that like they can really piecemeal out stuff. <laughs> like 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 they've showed Jacoby in like the very first episode, and then like not for a few episodes, and now again just doing one small thing, you know? Yeah. And then and then I'm and then like not again not again or whatever like it's yeah. it's like it's like are you into that do you like that do you yeah like, just oh get, yeah yeah it's good oh yeah, yeah i like yeah, it yeah. too yeah mm-hmm. that's i think it's um, great i just like you know i'm as i'm watching it i'm just like oh fuck yeah i forgot about <laughs> yeah it's so funny how you're like you for you kind of forget that you're even watching twin peaks and then like jacoby comes back and you're like oh okay but then you only see him for like one minute and you don't know <laughs> it's yeah. like nothing he's just like doing one menial task yeah you're not quite but, uh, sure what he's doing or like what it means but yeah. yeah uh jade drops cooper off at the silver mustang casino giving him five dollars telling him to call for help uh, when she tells him to go out of the car, he calls Laura, telling him uh, he can go out. Uh, he goes into the casino, clearly struggling. Uh, love, <laughs> love watching him go through this revolving door, by the way. Very funny. Oh, yeah. Just keeps hitting him in the back. That's uh, good stuff. He goes to a security guard and says, call for help. Uh, the guard directs him to get change for his $5. With his change, he goes to the casino floor uh, he notices a gambler call out, hello, when he receives a jackpot. So Cooper repeats this as he starts playing slot machines, following an image of the red room floating above various machines and winning the jackpot at every one. Uh, how'd you like this? When I, I remember the first time seeing this scene, I fucking loved it. Yeah, it's great. It's it's also <laughs> like just so crazy. Like, it's, it's great. It's so crazy and like... um watching you know this is when we get john ennis we get a couple of great comedians in yeah, this like yeah, john yeah. ennis and brick elman show up and like and the dude from uh boy meets world oh who uh maybe not boy uh, my name is earl He's oh the, that's uh, right he is from he yeah. is in boy meets world yeah you're right okay. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah uh yeah that that guy shows up as like it's so fun. It's just so crazy. It, it, and like uh, the old woman is doing such a good job in this scene of like collecting all of his scrap and stuff as he like goes around and gets fucking uh, like the, hits the jackpot on like every it's like yeah. there's got some like, weird like wish fulfillment stuff going on too. Yeah. Um, at the FBI headquarters, along with other personnel, Deputy Director Gordon Cole and Agents Albert Rosenfeld and Tammy Preston, uh, discuss a murder case with several objects that may identify the killer. Uh, I believe they're looking into the, uh, yeah, okay, so it says he assigns all of the personnel, personnel except Preston to begin work on the case. Preston then presents to them the deaths of Sam Colby and Tracy, 
Barbarado along the with the glass box containing a ghostly figure. Uh, Cole is then informed that he has a call related to Cooper. They schedule a meeting in the Black Hills at 9 the next morning. Uh, and then at the Roadhouse, we get the Cactus Blossoms performing Mississippi. Yes. So almost like we... We did see some other scenes, but this one, this this uh, this episode is very like, um, almost like a bottle episode. Kind of, yeah, yeah. So yeah. wait a minute, did we, uh, do we talk about the the, do, or do we want to talk a little bit about the FBI headquarters stuff with Cole and Rosenfeld? Like I didn't, yeah. I actually didn't know Miguel Ferrer was in this. He is, yeah, and he unfortunately passed away. I think before it even came out. He, yeah, I believe. I think so too. Um, <laughs> it sucks. So, but it was yeah. great to see him in this. I was. Yeah, he looks great. He's like yeah. on top of his game. I mean. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He's so good. Uh, I just love him so much. It's such a fucking bummer um, uh, that he's gone, but. You know, like it, it's cool. This being one of his last things is like pretty badass. Um, did it at the end of this episode? Do we see Kyle McLaughlin? We don't see Kyle McLaughlin come home, right? No, because because episode four starts with no. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. All right, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Let's. I guess we can move on. You want me to? You want me to read the uh, for part four? Take us through it. Jeremy, please do. You got it. Okay, this episode is uh, season three, of course, of The Return, episode four. Episode is called Brings Back Some Memories. (laughs) Uh, Of course, written by Mark Frost and David Lynch. Um, At the Silver Mustang Casino, Agent Cooper continues to win the jackpot at every slot machine he uses, earning him the nickname Mr. Jackpots. (laughs) <laughs> which I feel like is a very David Lynch thing. Yeah. Mr. Jackpots. Yeah. I also, we, we didn't mention it, but or the wiki doesn't mention it, but it, I do love that old lady character. Uh, yeah. The old lady that's like getting mad at him and then she starts winning jackpots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's great. I love, I love this. Uh, so he is approached by Bill and Candy Shaker, who is the guy from Boy Meets World, uh, yes. who and my name is Earl, who believe he is Dougie Jones. He repeats uh, Bill saying home, and he is told where Dougie lives. As Cooper starts to leave, he is taken to the uh, casino office where he's given the winnings and a limo. Is called to get uh, to, is 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 called to get to Dougie's home. Yeah. Yeah, so red door uh, with the red door. So he's yeah, which this uh, this doesn't really do like talk much about the Brett Gelman scene, but Brett Gelman's very good in this scene where he's like the guy who runs the casino, and you keep yeah, thinking he's gonna kill like kill him or something like or like be violent, and then he just keeps subverting that by saying like, "I want you to promise me something that you'll come back anytime." <laughs> it's like that kind of energy. Yeah. There's something, uh, he's perfectly cast. Uh, there's something about 
uh, King Arthur symbolism in Twin Peaks that I've read about a while ago. I should have brushed up on it before this, but something about the red door and the fact that he lives on, uh, I think, King Arthur Court or something like that, or Lancelot Court. Oh, really? Um, you know, I'll look more into that for next episode. I should have, I should have, uh, should have brushed up on that. But uh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, no worries. Uh, okay. So Cooper directs the limo driver with the details he knows about Dougie's house that Bill Shaker gave him. He gets out of the limo and stands with the driver until Dougie's wife, Jane E, (laughs) Jane E, (laughs) angrily approaches, slaps him as Dougie had been away for three days, including missing his son's birthday. His son is, of course, named... um, Oh, fuck, what's his name? Sonny Jim. Sonny Jim. Yeah. Yep. And this is Naomi Watts, who's playing Janie E, which is a pleasant surprise. Did not expect to see her. You know, she talks in a British accent in real life. Did you know that? Yeah, she was. Is she British or Australian? Oh, maybe it's Australian. Because I know she's friends with Nicole Kidman, and Nicole Kidman's Australian, so I just assumed. Yeah, but I did know that, and that is crazy. And when was the last movie you saw her speak in her actual accent? I maybe never. I I just uh just in the behind the scenes I heard her talking. Yeah. But uh threw yeah. me off. Very crazy. Very very cool. I think her American accent is great. I just I, I wonder if she ever gets to just be herself. Anyway, um yeah. she takes him inside angry with him until she discovers his money from the casino which she states can be used to pay off their debts, which I guess is sort of alluding to some of the assassination attempts that we saw in the previous episode. Maybe he's being chased because he owes a bunch of money to like mobsters or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cole visits with Bill Kennedy as he waits to meet with Denise Bryson, who is now the FBI chief of staff. So this was a can this was a, a return. I was not expecting to see David Duchovny reprising his role as Denise Bryson, the the trans FBI agent, um, yes. yeah, uh, he informs her about the situation with Cooper being a federal prison, being in a federal prison in South Dakota. Bryson displays doubts about Cole's decision to bring Agent Preston with him, but Cole reminds Denise of the support he has given her throughout her career. Denise voices her support, and Gordon leaves. So, what what did you make of this scene between Gordon and and Preston? Or Bryson, sorry. Um, you know, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I was trying to like. I was kind of wondering like what. Uh, I love. I I like that Denise is now in like. I guess she's Cole's boss. Yes. Um, and she's she's in like sort of a position of power. There is there's a couple of things that I uh, you know, I'm not. Uh, I'm a cis gender man. Right. I, you know, I don't. You know, I. I who cares what I think about this kind of thing? But mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know. I mean, I you know, it's it, who who am I to say? I I have I will say I have uh, listened to a podcast in the past where 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 the uh, the the host did did kind of pick the scene apart a little bit and found it to be slightly pro- problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, beyond know. beyond the trans stuff, which I I I. I don't feel super like you. I am also a cisgendered white male. I I don't feel super comfortable like, like giving a hot take on that just because I do not know. Um, I, I just don't know, but I, 
I would say beyond that, there is some sort of like mentioning that like, so the, the topic at, at hand is that Denise doesn't want agent Preston, who's a very attractive female FBI agent to go with Cole because Cole has a history yeah, this is, and I wasn't this quite sure weird. what that meant. Did, or, or is he kind of a womanizer? Or does he like have a reputation of sleep? Like we don't get anything from the original series, right? That would like support yeah. Cole being a creep or something like that. Well, I mean, there is like uh, the whole thing with Shelley in the diner. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. is that is that sort of what they're talking about or what they're trying to address in the scene? Because I just got yeah confused. I, I think so, and it like it. I don't really like it. <laughs> with you. I could I could do without all this. Sure. I like. I really like uh, uh, Tamara Preston, uh, that the character, mm-hmm. and uh, I think they could have just like skipped all of this, and it's just like, oh, she's like part of the team. Yeah, we she's don't just really a need part to have of this it. conversation or the line where Albert says. I'm feeling a lot better now. Yeah, after. when he watches her walk away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it just it just really confused me because I wasn't sure what the scene was even supposed to really be communicating, and to, so I yeah. didn't even form a an opinion about it because I was just like, I guess I just don't get this. But I will say, what it is kind of a bummer because these are two great characters that I was excited to see again. So I, I, I was yeah. kind of like going both ways on it where I was like, Oh great. We got Denise again. And then I was like, okay, well I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like David Lynch and I like this. What I, in theory, I like what's happening, but also if he re I mean, this is also, I mean, not that long ago. So recasting Denise as an actual trans person might've been better taste. Uh, there's all yeah, kinds of things, sure. but l- let's move on just because I, <laughs> I think we're both kind of just scratching our heads with that scene. Lucy talks on the phone with Sheriff Frank Truman about the thermostat. Truman then walks into the station, which scares Lucy, causing her to fall backwards in her chair, apparently due to her not understanding cell phones. <laughs> I love the slight editorialization of this wiki that's like, apparently, like, <laughs> yeah. like as if the wiki yeah. doesn't quite believe it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this confused me. Also, uh, at first, Frank Truman is Harry Truman's brother. Yeah. And then, yeah. I, and then I looked up that... Uh, Michael Anki, uh, Antkeen or whatever he was, he was apparently going to be in the show up until the last minute and then kind of ducked out last second. Yeah. I don't know the story behind that, but, uh, yeah, you know, I do, I gotta say as much as I love Michael Ankeen, if you know him bailing led to us getting Robert Forrester, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. That's great. I do love Robert Forrester. I, I, of course, I would want him and Michael Ankeen back. Uh, yeah, but yeah, but if nice. it was going to be one or the other, uh, Robert Forrester can do no wrong. He's the best. Um, yeah. So Truman, great coat, by the way. Great too. coat. Been, great I, hat. I got to get one of those flannel coats. Yes. Great uh, temperament on my man, oh, Forrester. Yeah. Uh, Truman gets an update from Maggie and the deputies on events that occurred while he was away fishing. She talks to Deputy Bobby, Br- or he talks to Deputy Bobby Briggs about the drug oh, yeah. overdose of Denny Craig, surmising it to be due to designer Chinese drugs. 
though Bobby does not believe the drugs are coming from Canada. And so Bobby yeah. is, uh, Bobby's, I guess, from my gather, like sort of in charge of the, uh, you know, drug smuggling, uh, keeping an eye on the drug smuggling between the Canada and U.S. border. Yes. Which, if we remember, he was smuggling drugs between the <laughs> U.S. and Canada border, you know, 25 years ago. Yes, I, I was a bit of poetic justice to see him now as a, a police officer, only because he was such a shitbag uh, in his youth. Yeah. Uh, and, and now he's got like this stark white hair, which I thought was uh, like just, it's just crazy to see him. I, I've been waiting for Bobby. Bobby was one of a character I had a lot of complicated feelings about in the original show. Uh, yeah. Love, love to hate Bobby. And uh, now he looks older than Kyle MacLachlan. So great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. He also explains that his dad died. Is that in this scene or maybe later? He'll explain. He'll explain it later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Andy explains cell phones to Lucy and reassures her <laughs> before going to see Sheriff Truman. I do like that scene. It is. It is fun. Yeah, um, good times. Truman meets with Hawk about the message from Margaret's log with Deputy Deputy Chad Broxford. Uh, yeah, present. Andy and Lucy enter and defend the log lady from Chad's remarks until the sheriff dismisses him. Bobby comes in, sees the photo of Laura, which is ca- causes him to become emotional immediately. Yeah. Yeah, Bobby, what did you think of that? Because Bobby didn't even care when she died originally. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I think he he did, but like, he's just like a dumb teenager or whatever. Yeah. Um, You know, just like that picture probably, you know, like much like the audience, that picture sort of like brings back specific, you know, memories and whatnot. It does. It does indeed. Bobby notes that Cooper was the last person to see his father alive, which Truman and Hawk were unaware of, but he does not know what Cooper and his father discussed. Um, they're not going to say it here, but apparently what had happened was they had met, and the next day, uh, Briggs died in a fire. <laughs> yeah. So, and, you know, we don't know which Cooper he met. You know what well, I mean? Don't we, don't we know for sure it's bad, Coop? Oh, Okay. Well then, yeah, it's it was bad. Probably bad coop. Yeah, I think it was bad coop because, like, uh, you know, it, until the end, I'm assuming this happens post credits of season two. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Um, so I'm assuming it's bad Cooper. It could have been good Cooper though. Maybe we don't know. Uh, yes. Uh, Deputy Jesse Holcomb enters to announce the arrival of Andy and Lucy's son, Wally Brando. <laughs> Uh, the Brennans excitedly leave and Holcomb says Wally intends to share his respects to the sheriff. Uh, Wally, I love that they um, noted this because I was going to mention that he's dressed like Marlon Brando in the wild one. Yeah. Greets Frank and tells him he hopes for the recovery of Frank's brother, Harry S. Truman, and gives his parent his blessing to turn his room into a, a study. <laughs> When Lucy asks him to tell them about his travels, he goes on a speech speaking with a Marlon Brando impression. After this, Truman awkwardly goes inside. Uh, this is Michael Sarah, his cameo in the show. Yep. What did you think? What do you think? What do you make of this scene? 
<laughs> oh, I I love it. I mean, it's it's like super funny. I think it's great because it like it doesn't really do anything for the plot, and you kind of like it's kind of just like a <laughs> it's just like a fun little side uh, little side thing yeah you know, we know about wally we know that we know about wally and there was a lot of speculation of who's playing wally or who's playing uh you know lucy and andy's kids right in the, uh when the casting list came out and right you know there were a lot of guesses but i i, I remember hoping that it was michael sarah and i was like so stoked that it that it actually was um and i i just love the idea i haven't uh gotten to this part of the behind the scenes but i love the idea of david lynch directing michael Sarah. Um, oh yeah yeah this is a situation where i could it, it i feel like um he really wanted to be in this you know what i mean like oh yeah like uh this was like a a hire based on you know like probably probably michael Sarah sought him out or whatever i i think yeah. that uh it's also like in general this episode along with the previous episode have the vibes that we've kind of been missing from the show thus far that twin peaks is a silly show like whether it yeah. whether it likes to admit it or not like it is not just dark and and drab it is like very silly it thinks it's like half of it's a comedy the other half of it is sort of a a quirky murder mystery with some dark elements to it but it's mostly a a a lot of it's a comedy so you know seeing this it was like uh it was like back to uh back to basics a little bit yeah, it does feel like he's just like a hundred percent playing it for comedy too, right? Which is great because right. you don't like they, that's not normally the case in the in this show. Like there are people that are like really you know funny once in a while, but like they're not always like Michael Sarah is just playing playing this like very. Uh, He's just doing like a really bad Marlon Brando impression. I like, know it's so very bad. confidently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, his I feel Brando like impression. I feel like I could see uh, Lucy like cracking up, like trying not to crack up. Yes. a little bit too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like watching him do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's it's so good. Um, yeah, me like. Me like. All right. Uh, I also love how awkward Truman gets during this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Okay. Where where are we? I've lost my place. Um, okay. Cooper sits on Dougie's bed and Mike faintly appears to him to say that he was tricked and holds up a small golden orb. Mike tells him that one of them must die. Then Cooper feels the uh, need to urinate. <laughs> so Janie E <laughs> takes him to the bathroom and he relieves himself. He looks himself in the mirror and Janie E dresses him, but leaves the tie up to up to him. She wakes Dougie's son, Sonny Jim, and makes breakfast. Sonny Jim gives Cooper the thumbs up and Cooper imitates it. Uh, the <laughs> yeah. thumbs up is like a big motif in, in Twin Peaks. Yeah. 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 
Um, so with Dougie's tie over his head, Cooper goes to the breakfast table where Sonny Jim helps him sit down and eat his pancakes. Janie E brings him some coffee and he takes a sip. He spits it out due to the heat and grins saying hi. <laughs> so it's hot <laughs> coffee. He doesn't know how to drink it yet. And he says hi, like a total fucking creep. Yeah. This is a, this is a gif. This is a classic gif that, <laughs> yeah. that I, I've definitely used. Um, Great moment. So, uh, Constance Talbot shows Chief Boyd and Detective Mackley the results of the male John Doe found in Ruth Davenport's apartment, but she has blocked access to the victim's identity and records, which require military authorization. So this is back in mm-hmm. a little bit of, uh, you know, back to our, our friends over in uh, Lil- uh, Matthew Lillard's town. Which yeah, is where Buckhorn. Buckhorn. Okay, yeah, I like these folks. I'm hoping to see a lot more of them and kind of figure out what's going on with Lillard. But we <laughs> yeah. only really yeah. get this scene in this episode. Uh, Cole arrives in South Dakota airport with Angela Preston and Rosenfeld. They are greeted by two FBI agents. Uh, one of them driving one driving them to prison where Cooper's doppelganger is being held. One of these FBI agents, by the way, looks like he cannot be more than 11 years old. He's like so visibly young. The other one is like a middle-aged man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Watch it again. The one that opens the door on the left-hand side. I like rewound it. I was like, this guy looks, he looks like (laughs) he could be a, a 14 year old boy. Um, so they're presented with the contents found in his trunk and doppelganger Cooper's trunk, the machine gun, cocaine, and a dog leg. Um, Great. I don't remember the dog leg from a previous episode, so that's like a new a new thing. Yeah. But also like missing limbs as a motif in Twin Peaks too. They, uh, they then interview Cooper's doppelganger who claims he has been working undercover with Philip Jeffries, uh, fire walk uh-huh. with me re- reference. Correct. David Bowie. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Since his disappearance and that he was on his way to inform Cole about his activities when he had his car accident. I love that it, you, bo- this is both a reference and, uh, but you don't ha- you don't need to have seen it to still like get why this there's something weird about this you know what i mean like like yeah it rewards people who have seen Firewalk with me like like uh you know the heads out there the real fans of the show but also if you didn't know who philip jeffries was they kind of explain him a little bit yes yeah i you know i can't imagine though like watching like seeing this without having seen Firewalk with me yeah as uh um yeah i don't know even at this point because it uh, i don't know it feel i feel like you get like so much more context uh for for like laura palmer and 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 the red room and stuff like that but, yeah oh for sure yeah uh, no i mean like it's a, it's definitely good to have watched that before the return but oh yeah but i don't know if the, if yet i'm noticing anything that like you would be completely fucking lost if you haven't seen firewalk with yeah you. i guess well yeah you probably wouldn't know yeah yeah, I guess you're right. They do kind of explain Philip Jeffries a little bit there. And remember, in Fire Walk With Me, they barely explain Philip Jeffries. So <laughs> it's not like he's yeah, totally <laughs> explained. But I, I do think that um, to know that going in is interesting because you would know that 
anyone who knows about Philip Jeffries knows that Philip Jeffries at one point ran into their headquarters and then dis- like disappeared in front of everybody. Like, yeah. So, and whether that was a dream or not, it's also like, we know that Philip Jeffries has been MIA. So it's like Cooper's, uh, you know, his explanation of why he was MIA was because he was working with somebody else who was MIA. That's like not a great alibi. Um, on the way out, Cole suggests giving Cooper his phone call and to keep him informed about it. Cole dismisses Preston so that he and Albert can speak privately. Great. Get the, get the woman out of there. Get, <laughs> get her out, kick her to the curb so you can have your private conversation. Uh, Albert admits to Cole that he authorized Jeffries to give Cooper information about their man in Columbia several years before after Phil, uh, Phillips said Cooper needed the information urgently. A week after Albert did this, the man had been killed. They then discussed the meeting with Cooper, feeling that something is wrong. They admit to each other that they do not understand the situation, classifying it as a blue rose. Uh, oh, yeah. Is a blue rose something that we're supposed to know, other than Briggs said it in the space sequence? Hmm. Well... Uh, you know, according to the uh, the Twin Peaks wiki, Blue Rose was a top-secret joint task force of the U.S. military and F- FBI. Formed in the years after the official closure of Pl- Project Blue Book, which Project Blue Book is what uh, right. Garland Briggs worked on yes. with the aliens and whatnot. Yes. Uh, in 1970, to investigate cases of paranormal nature as well as troubling ab- abstractions, uh, the Project Blue Book could not resolve. So this mm-hmm. is basically, it, Blue, Blue Rose is an extension of Project Blue Book, basically. Yep. Got it. Okay, they discuss a certain person to bring, uh, to bring to Cooper, and Albert notes that he knows where she drinks at the road. Who do you think ha- she is? I'm going to guess after... Uh, we mentioned that Aravoa Simone plays Lark at the Roadhouse, <laughs> uh, and that closes out that episode. I'm gonna guess it's Audrey Horn. Who who do you think? Well, I I feel like I can't answer that question. Oh, that's right. You already know. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't answer it. Uh, I'm gonna guess Audrey Horn, but don't tell me if I'm right. I want to know. I want to be surprised. Yeah. All right. Um. It's Laura Palmer. It's Laura Palmer. <laughs> uh, great. I mean, that was that was episodes three and four. Uh, next week, we're gonna be discussing episodes uh, five and six of the show, and then we're gonna when we discuss episode seven and eight, we will have a guest, Michael Hearn, a friend of the show. He's been on before, who is also another Twin Peaks fanatic. Uh, Eric, any any thoughts on on these uh, two episodes before we move on? You know. We're still just getting started, my friend. Mm. We got uh, we got a lot more to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say, I guess we're like a quarter of the way, but uh, we got a lot more to go. It's, yeah. it's it's exciting times. Anyone, you know, I know some some people, some folks who have seen the return before are listening to this. I know our buddy Drew is out there having a good time listening. You know, Drew, I, I was talking to I I me, I, dec- I messaged with Drew once in a while, and he has apparently seen the return like. Over ten times. At this oh, point. great! Manza, yeah, a madman. Yeah, he loves but, uh, it. I mean, I love it too. I can already tell this is going to be like a True Detective season one, or um, you know, like one of those shows that I could just very easily uh, go back to. 
and oh, watch yeah. again and again. It's it's really fun. Like it's really watchable. Like in, in a way that the original series, I I wouldn't say it's as watchable. You know, like it isn't episode to episode sort of like perfectly laid out the way this is. Um, and I, I'm sure there'll be some duds in the return too, but I, I haven't seen any yet. So, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It's you know it does not. I will say that it does not get uh, season two level bad at any point. Great, so. <laughs> great. <laughs> but that's a pretty low, pretty low bar. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, I I will say that the last eight episodes do um, pretty much primarily bring back the storyline of Caroline and James. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> I think that's what her name was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. So patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy if you want to hear us talk about Tales from the Crypt or, uh, you know, if you want to make us do an episode on a movie or whatever. Uh, we're having a great time over there. At Chucky Rules 420 is our Twitter account. Feel free to tweet at us uh, and tell us that you uh, like us. <laughs> yeah, tell us and that you if like you us. Don't, uh, tweet at uh, at Ocarina of Prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send all of your hate mail to me. Yeah, you know. Uh, anyway, Jeremy, you you had something to plug. You want to plug uh, Animaniacs, right? Oh yeah. So uh, there is a a new show starring uh, me, starring hosted by. Uh, me, Jeremy Schmidt, uh, friend of the show Matthew J, who hosts The Deep End, and Mr. Boop himself, Alec Robbins, called Animaniacs. And that is anime, uh, like anime, the, the Japanese animation, uh, Dash, and then Niacs. <laughs> so Animaniacs uh, is the name of the show where we discuss anime. I, You know, I, are you an anime fan, Eric? You know, I don't think I've ever... I mean, Dragon Ball Z counts, right? Yeah, of course. I Besides Dragon Ball Z, I don't think I've ever seen any anime. Yeah, so I, I was not quite as... Uh I wasn't as quite as like a, a novice as, as you as you are, but I pretty much right like where like I grew yeah. up. I watched Dragon Ball Z and a, just a handful of other things. You know, and a lot of these things were like shown to me by friends. I never really sought it out, but something about this past year, I got really into wanting to be more of an anime fan and have a and have a better palette, like have a more broad palette for anime and so i got the two yeah. guys i know who like anime the most or post about it the most and uh they've been throwing some anime series at me and some manga that i've been reading on the side and we get into all that stuff the first episode is out now it is an F- episode about the show flcl by gynax the uh the same the same kind of collaborative production company that did Evangelion, which is a, a show we will also be covering at some point on that show. Um, this is a bi-monthly show. I think that's right. Two times a month, bi-monthly. Does that sound right? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bi-monthly. So you know, the, uh, every, you could say every fortnight. Every fortnight, a new, a new episode comes out. Um and and it's 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 a lot of fun. It's sort of a specialty show. Um, we're doing it purely for the love of the game and purely because we are in quarantine. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you can yeah. check that out anywhere podcasts can be found. 
That is Animaniacs. Anime-Niacs. Um, and, uh, yeah, Eric, you got anything you want to plug? You're going camping? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be, yeah, if you're going to be in, uh, you know, upper Michigan uh, within the next week, you know, uh, I'll be up there. I'll be up. I'll be up there in Michigan. Uh, not going to give you any more details besides <laughs> that, though. But you know, there's not too many people up there, so maybe you'll see me. Maybe you won't. Uh, I'll be in an orange tent. That's all I'll say. Great, uh, great. And that's it for us. So next week we'll do parts five and six. And Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. Mm-hmm.